Thank you for waiting for episode 90, our big nine zero. Uh, welcome to the Motorific Podcast. I am Joanne Dawn, and normally I'm accompanied by Christy Farrell, your ADV goddess. Christy's on vacation, so I thought I would have a guest on for this episode so that we would not miss um, you know, our scheduling and try to give you an episode 90. So joining me is my wonderful friend, Tamala Rich, and we, we've had her on before and it's been a little while. So yeah, I um, think I was your first guest. Maybe you were, you're probably, probably actually, I think that sounds right. And yeah. Tam, I just thought of this and I didn't even tell you, but the title of this podcast I've decided since we're both pretty much is shorties unite. So we're going <laughs> to, co- <laughs> so I thought that, uh, <laughs> Aside from covering some wonderful uh, women-specific motorcycling events coming up this year that Tamil is a part of, there's a couple that I'm really excited about um, that I have friends coordinating and putting together. So we're going to give you a nice list of events that you should really look at and consider uh, if you are a, a woman rider or if you know any women who ride who may want to look at some of these events or you may want to join your lady and, and go on you know, a tour with. Uh, we're going to give you a nice long list. And then we're going to talk about some issues that uh, I think Tamla and I can can relate to and then maybe just chit chat about as far as, you know, challenges as we face being vertically challenged. I also wanted to (laughs) (laughs) mention uh, a blog post I rebooted from this from two years ago, kind of addressing some general general issues Uh, When you're considering riding a motorcycle, if this is your first time listening to the podcast or you're looking for some resources to help you determine whether you want to ride or you just want a little bit of advice, uh, we're going to cover some some, uh, good tips there. And then um, I think Tam and I are going to toss back some of our own personal ideas and, and strategies when it comes to trying to challenge ourselves and you know, ride bigger bikes and, and how it's worked for us and kind of maybe what we've learned, you know, what we've discovered in the time that we've been riding. Um, yeah. So that's where we're going to kind of start. So let's let's jump into some of these events. And these probably won't be in chronological order, but <laughs> don't worry, with the, show <laughs> no- <laughs> with the show notes, I will take the responsibility of listing everything out for everybody so that you can, um, you know, see what's coming up. Yay, you. Uh, Good for you. Uh, Off the top of my head, the one that I do know is coming up sooner than later is the All Women's Cuba Tour in March. And that's through Elisa Clickinger, my other buddy. And that's through womensmotorcycletours.com. I believe she's partnering with motodiscovery.com. Motodiscovery.com. And it's a one-week all-inclusive tour in Cuba. And that's pretty exciting because it'll be the first... I think probably one of the first motorcycle tours in Cuba happening in general, um, let alone a woman's specific one. So definitely check that out when you get a chance. I'll certainly, we'll have links to all these events on the show notes. Now, Joanne, do you know if, if a man accompanies a woman, if, if he's allowed or is it strictly women? I actually don't know. I'm yeah. not okay. sure. It may be, may be limited to women only. I have a feeling it is, but I'm not okay. totally sure of that. And all these events vary. Some events, I'm sure that you'll mention, some will be like, nope, you know, ladies only. And some will probably say, yeah, as long as you bring a woman with you or, you know, they might make an exception. So don't look it. at the websites and, and info for each event to determine what is man or male friendly. Um, so that's the first one I know of. All right, so that one's in March, March. and then mm-hmm. the next, the, the one that I know of that would be, I'm trying to keep this chronological, is Mountain Moxie. That oh, yeah. is in May, yeah, May, yeah. May 6 to 8. Yep. That's a great event. It was really well attended last year. Nice. Um, it's going to be in Little Switzerland, North Carolina, and um, Joanne, 30 of the top 100 motorcycling roads in America are in Appalachia. And so Mountain Moxie in Little Switzerland, North Carolina is just right off. It's, it's got its own exit off the Blue Ridge Parkway, which is, I think, the number three hmm. uh, road in, a, in the country, cool. motorcycling road. So that's, that's a great location. And they really produced a great event last year. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I remember when I stumbled upon Little Switzerland on Google Maps, I was trying to get down to uh, the Women's Sport Bike Rally, which is actually another event coming up in the fall. And uh, I found it on the map and I thought, I got to go there because just looking at the map, I'm like, I have to go there. And I made it a 
a goal to yeah. go there day one as soon as I possibly could. And I'm so glad I, I found it. It was wonderful. There's apparently some other similar roads like that around that oh, I have time God. to get to. Yes. Like Devil's Backbone is supposed to be amazing. Oh, yeah. And, and um, uh, there's others. so many. There's so yeah. many. I want to get yeah. to that this year again, too. I'm so excited to do that again. So um, awesome. So Mountain Moxie. And then I just mentioned the Women's Sport Bike Rally. Sorry, this is out of order. That's in September. And that's a sport bike, uh, you know, sport bike, uh, very sport bike enthusiast oriented event down at the Dragon, the infamous Dragon in Deals Gap, North Carolina. So that's going to be a September and I hope I can make that. We'll see. Uh, what else you got besides Moxie? Well, uh, women specific. Any, yeah. I mean, yeah. Anything okay. friendly. Yeah. All right. So the, um, the mid Atlantic women's motorcycle oh, yes. rally is, yes. is, it is in its 25th year this yeah. year. Wow. And it'll be this year, it'll be in Front Royal, Virginia, which is at the northern yeah. tip of the, of Skyline Drive, which yeah. is another of America's top 100 motorcycling roads. And that will yeah. be on July 15th to 18th. And shameless plug coming up, I am one of the speakers <laughs> along, um, along with Danelle Lynn and Ursula. Oh my gosh, I'm going to it's That's okay. Her don't, last name don't starts try. with a W, and, and it's a tough one to pronounce. I'm sorry, but anyway, you can you can go to the Mid Atlantic Women's Motorcycle Rally uh, website and uh, and and look at the the lineup, and it's going to be fun. There's going to be um, in addition to you know. Uh, Topic, you know, seminars and mm -hmm. so forth. There's also going to be zip lining and tubing down mm -hmm. down the river. So it's going to be um, it's going to be a lot of fun. And as I said, it's the 25th anniversary of that rally. Wow! So Front Royal, Virginia. That's right at Skyline Drive, which is, of course, you know, one of the big big attractions. And yeah. there's so many other wonderful roads there. And then at the end of that rally, it's over on Sunday the 18th. Okay. <clears throat> And that's the and that morning is the morning that the Appalachian Mountains and Music Motorcycle Tour mm -hmm. begins right there in Front Royal, oh. and that tour will be five days. It'll include four states, all the best roads that we can jam into, cool. you know, into a five day itinerary. So we're going to West Virginia, Tennessee, North Carolina, and Virginia, and it'll include. Um, private concerts. You know, Appalachia is so famous for not only the great roads, but also, you know, history. It's, and, and the history of music is really, was really formed there. So many different mm. cultures came together. So we have two cool. um, private concerts, one of whom mm. will be by um, Wayne Henderson and Helen White, who performed not only in the White House, but also for Queen Elizabeth when she came to Virginia in 2007. So hmm. that'll be a lot of fun. Um, let's see. And then uh, Women on Wheels has its annual ride-in. This year it'll be in Colorado Springs, July 4th to the 6th. Let's see. You have to send me links to these, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll do that. Oh, and then um, July, I forgot, is the Colorado Backcountry Discovery Route Tour July 23rd to the 30th. That is a women's specific tour of the backcountry discovery route. And um, I don't know the website for that, but I, I found the Facebook page for it. It's for ADV woman, facebook.com slash ADV woman. So that's if you're into adventure riding, you're into off-roading, dual sporting. That and the dates like for that are? July 23rd to the 30th, I believe. Awesome. But right. I will post precise content or information on the show notes. Right. Yep. So yep. that looks like for the hardcore off-road dual sport uh, adventures although it might be beginner friendly i'm not sure uh, you'll have to definitely read the site and and see you know what exactly what they're they're offering but it looks really cool if i was if i was all in the adventure lifestyle which i'm not i feel like i'm not old enough yet uh really I you think adventure riding <laughs> is some sort of <laughs> i just you have to show an I, id or something what's the no deal? no i just feel like uh, personally just me i feel like when you leave the world of sport bike riding is when you've grown up. Like you've decided, okay, I'm ready to grow up and get on a bike that's really comfortable and that, you, that I can, you know, be a little bit 
a little bit more relaxed on or just be a little more laid back and yeah. and do softer riding on and I'm not quite ready to give up the discomfort and um <laughs> you know I don't know like just a little bit more I don't know I just feel like a little kid riding sport bikes I guess I just feel like I'm not ready to give it up to do something <laughs> more mature more adventure riding. I, you know, I don't, I mean, you know, the only, the only way that adventure riding is more comfortable is if you're on the tarmac. True. Otherwise you're no, standing, true. You're, you're right. standing true. on the pegs, babe. True. No, it is a little harder work. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not ready to give up the style of riding that I do. So I'm not ready well, to Well, you don't have to give it up. Just, well, you know, buy a garage full of bikes. I, oh, oh, okay, Tam. Great. You want to throw me half a million dollars? That'd be great. Thanks. That would be so easy to spend, <laughs> wouldn't it? <laughs> So, yeah, you know, if I moved out into the suburbs and then purchased a house with property, sure, I I could, I wouldn't have to give it up completely. But even then, you know, even if you do have, you can afford the luxury of multiple vehicles and have space, you're not riding all of them, you yeah. know, equally. You're, you're spending, you're having to choose, right? Like, well, maybe I'll ride this one and... And um, I'm not ready to do that yet either. So I'm just. Uh... It's funny. I'm sort of entertaining that second bike now. <laughs> I, I have to say, mm-hmm. I, I I I sent out a newsletter yesterday, and one of my friends, it's funny, must have must have sensed. I don't know that the force was strong with me, and said, "What's your next gonna bike gonna be?" <laughs> yeah. Well, what is it? I don't know. I uh, well, you rode that nice. Um, R twelve hundred R the BMW when you and the sisters ride and yeah. I am definitely gonna consider that one. Should it's because I do so much long distance touring. Yeah, but I like. I'm gonna have to the the test for me is gonna be I'm gonna have to stand on the pegs and see because <laughs> I do take the occasional yeah you know road less traveled and yeah you know I'm not a hardcore gnarly you know boulder climber sure, or something like that sure. but but i just want to see how it behaves you know on a gravel road because I, oh. I i like to stand on the gravel i like I, to stand i bet it would do just fine honestly yeah i i found when i took some breaks just you know you're on the highway or you're on a you know and you just want to stretch your legs mm-hmm. i did that a couple of times and it was really comfortable to do that ah, actually the bar nice. position was positioned a little better than on my triumph and it felt good actually to stand up and relax a little bit uh i mean it is a gs engine so and and well it's it's a know, boxer it's they've still got a that boxer. engine on they've got that engine on lots of different bikes yeah uh, i mean i well although to be <laughs> to be fair though that particular bike i bought i sorry i borrowed had uh-huh. the full electronic suspension package on it Ooh, i love yeah, that yeah so that probably oh. made a big difference that would probably yeah. make a big difference if uh, between riding it and not riding it and some gravel but i you know bmws are so stable and i've i've said this uh, many times that I, I i i really value and i appreciate the way that they build their engines and put all the pieces together in a way that everything feels really stable and firm and the distribution of weight is always really well done mm-hmm. i'm sure you always it. yeah i it just do feels great. I, i've i've ridden several of them yeah um yeah. And we and we're going to talk about that when we talk about being short people yeah, on yeah. big bikes. But yeah. we gotta we gotta finish our roundup, right? Of uh, yes. of events. Do you have any more? You've, um, uh... I think those. Are, oh, um, the last set of events would be, of course, the uh, Babe Babes Ride Out series. They have three mm. events that they're throwing together: an East Coast Rally, a West Coast Rally, and I can't remember what the th- desert. Then they have a desert. Oh, nice rally in California and SoCal. So that's a that's a, I think it's supposed to be a more off road specific or adventure specific, but in a uh, definitely a different tone than what say the CBDR is. I'd say a little bit less technical and a little bit not quite as I think as robust as what the CBDR is. Um, okay. But they have three events, and if you go to their website, they're going to list all of those, and they're scattered throughout the year. I, I can't remember the exact dates. So that was the other one that I knew about. What, do you have any more events that you on your list? Well, I don't, I don't know about about events. Like, I don't know. Um, I'm not close to Women in the Wind and mm-hmm. uh, Women on Wheels. I don't know if in, either of them have hmm. an annual event. I, Maybe. So that, that'd be just, hey, you know what? Just for, you know, giggles you know, do a Google search and see if either of those uh, groups have, have an event. Well, I know that uh, Women on Wheels has a ride-in. Well, I, we talked about that. That's oh, we did. In, 
I'm going to be speaking. I think we talked about that. I'm going to be speaking at that one too. Mm. That's in Colorado Springs from July 4th to 6th. Oh, okay. July 4th to 6th in Colorado Springs. That's Women on Wheels, the annual ride-in. And I'm going to be talking about riding in Italy where uh-huh. I just got back. I was in September. I was there. So I'll be talking about, you know, what to expect. You see these crazy, you know, traffic shots of, you know, Rome and, you know, you, you can get apprehensive about what it's like. So, you know, I'm going to talk about that and the food and the writing and just, you know, answering questions, people that would like to like to go to Italy. Well, tell us, so about I'll, be, how, I'll be there. Tell I'll be us, lo- tell us uh, when you went and then who you kind of, how you got there and what organization or, or tour you worked with when you went and did that. Well, I was there in um, September, and uh, it was a group tour. And this is the first time that I've um, taken a group tour. I hmm. um, attend, as you know, to ride solo a great deal. Yeah. And um, but this was, you know, going going abroad. You know, I just felt like, <laughs> you know what. <laughs> You have to do it once in your lifetime. You know, you got to, you know, you got to take, you got to take the tour with someone who knows the deal. And so I went with motorcycle tours of Italy. Here the road is, is the the branding of that. But the URL is motorcycletoursitaly.com. But it's here the road motorcycle tours. Enrico Grassi is the owner and operator of the company. He grew up in Rome. He's Mm -hmm. his goes back many generations and speaks colloquial American English. Um, and God, we, we, okay. Technically we're on a motorcycle tour, but we were really on a cultural tour of Italy first and foremost, because he wanted you to know how to eat the food and how not to eat the food. You don't mix this with that. Uh And, you know, and how it was made and, um, you know, and how the, how the animals are raised and how, and you know, what the sheep eat that makes pecorino cheese taste so distinctive and just on and on. I mean, he just, we, we asked him the most ridiculous questions about things. These dumb Americans. (laughs) (laughs) Why are they asking me these questions? And he never wore out. I mean, he was just... He loves it. uh, He loves it. He loves his country. He loves leading tours. I had the time of my life. I think that's the best way to take a tour. Someone who loves what they do and they love to tell you about their country and the the culture. That's awesome. Oh, it's great. So how long were you there? So uh, the tour was nine days long. and And the one that I was on, he's offering again twice this year. It was a women's only tour. Oh. Um, so he does one in the spring and one in September. And um, that's one, that particular tour, you have to be accompanied by a woman if you're going to go. So remember how I was asking oh, about that yes. earlier about the Cuba yes. tour. So if you're a man, you can, you don't have to ride two up, you can ride your own bike, but you have to be there with a woman. And the whole idea behind that, women will totally appreciate this, um, the tour is geared toward the way that women like to tour, Mm -hmm. you know, we like to, you know, stop a little longer and, you know, take pictures and, you know, just linger and absorb the culture. We like to stop at real bathrooms instead of (laughs) a tree by the side of the road. (laughs) Oh Um, my God. I never thought about that. You're right. Yeah. I mean, think about it. uh, (laughs) You know, I still have not mastered the whole tree bush thing. Oh yeah. I can, I cannot, I cannot. I've tried every time I've tried. I just feel like a four-year-old girl that's just peed all over my shoes. I just can't. I can't do it right, and I don't know if it's genetic or what, but I can't. So I very rarely. It's in true desperation that I would pull over on the side of the road, like in the middle of the desert. But I always, always look for a bathroom because I can't wing it. I wish I could, and I know there's all these fun devices. Please, right. I, I'd get that Please. all over. Yeah. I would just get it all over my hand and my jacket instead of my shoes. It's, right. It wouldn't make it any better. I would still just not. I don't have the poise or the or the agility. All right, next time, next time we tour together, <laughs> okay. you know, we have to. We have to. It's been a while. I, I miss. I, we'll have to. We'll we have, have to. to see if there's, you know, oh if there's God. a little, a little 
tip that'll right. The you know the other right. uh, argument I I've heard I hear sometimes you know why it's it's preferable not to have male riders on tours because really to be honest, a, not all men of course. Okay, just to be clear, fellas, many of you though are there to chit chat with us in a way yeah. that's not about the culture or not about the ride. I mean, it, yeah, right. if you want to talk about like the ride and the culture and and what we're seeing, yeah, of course I want to converse with you and and chat, right. but. There's just this, there can be, and it's not all the time, but there just can be an undertone of ulterior motive almost, just wanting to talk for other reasons. And it, I've tried to explain this to people before and and I, I can't really put it in words why riding with a group of women is so different than riding with mixed groups. And how it's not necessarily better because I don't want to use I wouldn't use that word that riding with women is better because I I it's not always no it depends on the caliber of the riders oh it totally depends on your friends and and if they're your buddies and I because I have a lot of male friends I probably have more male friends than female friends to be honest Mm -hmm. so I've ridden with far more men than I have with women and I've ridden with awesome guys who are wonderful people and treat me with the utmost respect and they're really fun to ride with but that's not always the case, especially if mm-hmm. it's a tour of people that you don't even know. Right. And right. you know, and you know, a hundred percent, if you're joining a woman's specific tour, you're just going to, there's nothing for you to even think about or even anticipate in that regard. It's just, in that regard. Yeah. I'm going to have fun pretty much. You don't have to worry. Well, and the other thing about, uh, the other thing about, uh, co-ed, you know, tours can be that, um, <laughs> Sounds like we're throwing down on men, no, but no. there have been instances when men, you know, they see it as an opportunity to flex their testosterone and do wheelies, and you know, just like you know, do and do things you know, that are unnecessary and ride faster than they ought to, or In, you know, inappropriate. I don't know, that, yeah. It doesn't always happen, but right. and it didn't happen on our group. We had. Sure. You know, we had we did have um, men and women both on our ladies tour, but as I said, mm-hmm. they had to be accompanied by a woman. They were and they couples. were yeah. phenomenal. Cool. They were phenomenal writers and phenomenal human beings. God, I love these people. I love yes. all of them. I'm still in touch with them. What? That's the other cool thing is just you know who you tour with and yeah. you you forge these. Um, you know, you have these experiences that no one else has had, and, yeah. you know, you, the jokes that, you know, it, you just keep it going. It was, it was great. Were so they, I'm going back. Were they yeah, all from here? Were they people from Italy? Were they... They're all Americans, oh, okay. all Americans. And he specializes in oh. tours in Italy for Americans. Uh, he gets up people from elsewhere, but as I it. said, he speaks colloquial American English. He knows the okay. idioms and, you know, all that kind of fun stuff. So it's just and, like a travel tour, any kind of vacation tour you would take in Italy, but by motorcycle. By motorcycle. That's cool. And he takes you on the great roads. I mean, you, nice. you I, the, and there's so many wonderful roads there. Nice. Um, but it's not, uh, he, and he's got, he's got a variety of tours. He's even got one, um, where you can do some MotoGP, um, and there's, he's got one where you can tour the Italian motorcycle factories. He's got a wide variety of tours. Um, I'm going to be doing in September Mm. with him again, I'm going to do Tuscany, Corsica Mm. and Sardinia. Ooh. Now, Corsica and Sardinia are islands yeah. off the west coast of Italy. Yeah. And Corsica is actually French-speaking. And huh. Napoleon was in prison on a little island called Elba, right off the coast of Corsica. Huh. So anyway, they they speak French. So we'll, we'll go from um, the mainland by ferry over to Corsica, hmm. ride you know, in Corsica, then we'll jump on another ferry and go down to Sardinia, which is Italian speaking, and so then take another back to Rome. What bikes did he offer to let you ride, and what did you ride? He offers every brand. He oh. he has so he wow. has all the all the BMWs, uh, several Triumphs. He had the he had the new Triumph, Triumph Scrambler. I remember that hmm. particularly. I thought about taking that. Cool. Um, he had the Moto Guzzi, Ducatis. Harley's nice BMWs. I mean, he's got, he's got every kind of bike and Hondas. You could even take a Goldwing if you want to. That's fantastic. He's got every bike you could possibly want really. So what'd you get? He's got the whole lineup. Well, so here's the thing. Um, 
I originally signed up because I wanted to ride something different. Yeah. And I wanted to ride the Moto Guzzi. Ooh. And, um, Which one? The, uh, the six. Ooh. And so I got there and this other woman on my tour um, was going to ride the BMW um, uh, G700. And she just decided that she could, she just could not bear the thought of riding that bike. And so she asked me what I trade and, you know, I wanted her to have a good time. You know, it's, you know, and I, so I did, I traded with her. I traded bikes with her. Wait, wait, wait. And pause. Did you, you were going to rent the V7, you mean? The twin, mm -hmm. the V7? Yes. It's an awesome little bike. Sorry, go on. Yes. So yeah, sorry, I said six, I meant seven. Yeah, the V7, it's it's a beautiful, yeah. beautiful bike. Yeah. Anyway, um, so she she really wanted that bike. She really okay. wanted to ride that bike. Sure. And so I traded with her and I so I got the the BMW, I got the um G seven hundred. Okay. And or was it the six they have seven hundred? I think they had the seven hundred. Mm -hmm. So anyway. That bike was much taller than mine, mm -hmm. um, so I want to talk about talk about that when yeah. we yeah when we do it. But um, I I just want to put in anybody who any motorcyclist who's ever wondering about the effect of octane. Let me just tell you when I got on that bike. See, I have it, it's it was a, a thumper. It was a single cylinder, which is what mine is. I have the yeah. G six fifty GS. Yep. And when I got on that bike. It was so peppy. Yeah. I thought I was on the twin. I said, I, what? What? No, it's because they have such high octane oh. fuel. They have no ethanol. Nice. It, and that Ugh, bike was so responsive. I could just get a handful of throttle and just, nice. I could do anything on that bike that I wanted to. Hmm. So I did take the seven for a ride one night. I did. I, I, that was our deal that I would get to, you know, just take it for a spin. And to tell you the truth, this is a case where being the nice, a nice person really panned out because mm -hmm. I rode that bike, oh, about 30, 40, 45 miles that night. And I realized I would have not have enjoyed it as much as I did the bike, the BMW that I was on, because it's not, um, it's the ergos aren't as it's, aren't as comfortable for me yeah. as that bike was. Yep. And the BMW is made for curves. Yeah. It's just so balanced and I could just zip through. Uh, ah, I loved it. And I would not have had as much fun and my body would have hurt more if I had stayed with the Moto Guzzi. <laughs> the Guzzi just requires, I think, a little different input. And whereas the, the Jeep drops in a little, I feel just in general, BMW's handling and suspension is a little bit more conducive to, uh, you know, a more technical road, but yeah, the Guzzi just and requires, there's lots of that. I think a little bit different input because the, the bars are so different and the, you know, your bars are a little lower and they're more for the rake is, you know what I mean? It's just such yeah. a different, it's a very I mean, different, but, yeah. and it's, um, it's not really like the balance of it. It's, it's more of a cafe, yeah. you know, a cafe bike yep. more than, more the than the gravity is a little, a little bit low i mean it's pretty low i would say like my girlfriend has a v7 and it's oh it, yeah it feels, yeah that, that's no problem yeah that's, that's it's very low that feels balanced and that's i think that's the reason that the other rider really wanted that bike she sure. rides a harley's uh sportster uh, at uh, home uh, uh. and so the the guzzi is the same kind of standard bike yep. low to the ground she's yep. one of those riders who likes to get both feet flat and you know that doesn't bother me i'm <laughs> I don't need well, to do that. That's a really good segue into our into our next topic. I, I have always felt strongly that the reason that is for many many people who ride bikes um, is because either a you've you've started on something really big and there is absolutely no way around it. You have to flat foot. You can't not flat foot if you're starting on something that's frankly too big for you uh. as a beginner. Right? You have no choice. How are you going to feel stable or how are you possibly going to maneuver or do anything if you aren't flat on a bike that weighs 600 pounds, you know, on a bike that has high center of gravity? There's that's, no, I think right? that's the point. It's right. the center of gravity. Yeah. So if you're starting on something that's really big and beyond your skill level and you don't know how to handle, you have to flat foot. Otherwise, you'll drop it left and right. 
So then when you decide I want to change and do something different, now you now you can't. Now it's it's a bigger the learning curve is just a lot steeper. You can, but it's going to be a lot more work. It's going to take a little bit different discipline and it's just going to be harder. Not that you can't accomplish it, but I, f- I always felt that Are you still there? Yeah, there you are. I'm right here. Yeah. I've always felt that just you're making that climb even harder, you know? Well, it's, you know, let me tell you, when I learned to ride, my brother, so I took the um, MSF course. Oh, wait, I want people to hear this. So I want you to just briefly go into when you started riding and then, you know, when when you learned and then what you did right after that. So in 2010, uh, in March of 2010, I f- finished my MSF class. And then in April, I went uh, to my brother's. My, my brother, my brother is, he's a fantastic writer. Uh-huh. He does sandblast rally. He's, he's a gnarly off-road guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's got a garage full of bikes. And so um, I went up to, to where he lives to get my first real training you know, I mean, the MSF course is enough to make you dangerous, right? So yeah. I went up and spent a week with him, and he had this five-acre, oh. um, f- pretty flat uh, uh, yard, mm-hmm. and he put me up on, um, it was the BMW Dakar, which is okay. a G650 GS, but yep. it's a Dakar, so it's, yep. you know, a little sturdier. Yep. And that was the first bike other than the little bike I rode in my MSF class. That's the first bike I've rode. Now, I've got a 28, if I'm lucky, inch inseam. And <laughs> that bike, that bike is extremely 36. tall. I, yeah. And and my and here's the thing I didn't know. I didn't know that he could have adjusted the preload to bring oh. it down a little, but he didn't. And so, like, <laughs> I had a hard time getting it off the kickstand. Yeah. I felt like a rodeo trick rider yeah, yeah. just trying to get it off the kickstand. And I was I was just, you know, whining to my brother. I said, I can't reach. I can only get one foot down. Yeah. And he looked at me and he said, that's exactly the way you need to learn to ride. Because if you learn to ride with both feet flat on the ground, you'll be a shitty rider the rest of your life. <laughs> okay, okay, hold on. We don't want to. We don't want to offend everybody in my audience. But I no. Point but the taken. point. I mean, yeah. that's my that's my brother being a tough guy. Yeah. That's those are the words tough that love. came out of his mouth. It was yeah. tough love. Yeah. And I hated him for it, but now I love him for it. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's exactly what I'm. Yeah. I know. And I try to communicate that every time someone asks me that question and and half the time people are really receptive they go yeah you know that makes so much sense and the other because it's muscle memory so much of what you do on a motorcycle is muscle memory right and if you feel you at that you know if you train your brain and your neurological system that you have to put both feet down then that's it's hard it's hard to do anything different it's also very mental in that sense like you have to mentally like you really have to be strong enough to tell yourself, I think you're going to try it and you, right. and you're okay to fail and you're totally, you're okay with failing it and you're okay to try again or at least attempt. Um, and it's not easy. It's, it's not easy at all. So I, I think that's awesome. So after you took a little spin well, on it was, that. It was tough love for sure. So I, so I learned <laughs> how to ride, um, on that. And, and actually my brother's the first person who put me up on the pegs. Um, you know, so I was going around in the backyard pretty well. And nice. he said, now I want you to stand. And I felt that's when I felt like I was coming home, like standing. Cause I used to ride horses as a oh. kid and I felt like, oh. oh, this is, this is exactly what I know how cool. to do and body balancing and everything else. Oh. You know, there's a lot of similarities. So anyway, so after that, I went down to the BMW performance center in Greer, South Carolina and got three, no, two days of one-on-one instruction. Mm-hmm. One was on-road and the other was off-road on the G650GS. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, and it, it was on a lowered bike. So, the, so I went from having this crazy tall bike at my mm-hmm. brother's to having, you know, the right size bike at, at the performance center. And then I went to Raleigh. There's a retired highway patrol moto officer who um has a a driving school and and his focus is um 
tight turns and, you know, look over that shoulder and lean that bike. I mean, I never got out of second gear in that training. So I did all those before I jumped on my bike and took a 17 state cross country motorcycle trip from North Carolina (laughs) to Oregon and back. And I was hooked from there. Loved it. Wait a minute. What did you take across the country again? The same bike I have now, G650GS. So your first road trip was on a BMW? Yes. Got it. For some reason, I thought that you cross-countryed on a Rebel. I don't know. Why did I think of that? Is no. That someone else? Uh-uh. I've, someone I've else? Only, the only thing I've ever done on a Rebel was take the uh, MSF class. Me too. <laughs> so, yeah. So all, so I so I still have that my original bike. We still have the... Out, uh, yeah. Yeah. As it turns out, um, the, uh, the only uh, other tour I've ever done was the one in Italy, which I turned out doing it on BMW. Nice. I say you're probably maybe one of the rare few who keep their first bike for this long. Mm. Um, well, it was the right so bike. Turnover. I mean, it, sure. it was, I had trained on that bike and, you know, I think a lot of people do over buy in that first bike. They get a big honking, you know, ultimate bike and t- yep. instead of maybe a rebel or something that they can drop with, with impunity. Yeah. Or not yeah. even not even drop, but just practice and get and get better right. at. Right. And um, I I posted this link and I, I need to find it. I posted a little video link. It was like a a TED talk or something like that, and some guy uh, just talking about kind of how the millennial generation had like how they uh, how they perceive success. And why they're not able to succeed in the same way that our generation has in, in anything. Not, I'm not talking about motorcycling, just in life, you know, in general, just in being a successful adult and adulting. <laughs> so to speak. Is it because they are so f- afraid to fail? Pretty much. Um, yeah. Here, I'm going to, I'll message it to you in Facebook. And it's, it, it's everything from you know, not having ever had the uh, opportunity to fail at something or be unhappy and, and really, and then kind of where I just messaged it to you on Facebook and then where, uh, those kids find satisfaction and joy. And a lot of it is through social media. And because of that interpersonal relationships and face-to-face relationships, um, are extremely difficult for them to maintain in terms of having that face-to-face connection and, and getting basically being satisfied off outside of the internet. Um, and among a few other things, he just makes some really great points as to kind of how it, you know, what millennial means really. It's funny because, um, you know, my husband works with, um, with, um, several millennial they're they're engineers and he's their first manager you know he you know trains them so forth so on and forth so forth and um he was we were just talking about this a couple nights ago that they really are telephone phobic they don't (laughs) want to pick up the telephone like and and one of one of the guys that worked for him actually said it just makes my heart race and it makes my mouth go dry and I just, I don't want to pick it up. I just don't want to pick up the telephone. Because you have to talk to somebody. Because you actually yeah. have to interact with somebody. And It's very interesting. What I, um, uh, for me, kind of what, what spoke to me after I really read that was kind of the prevalence, I think, in more recent years of people wanting to be immediately good at motorcycling. And I'm oh, so sorry to break yeah. this to you, but it doesn't work that way. There right. are very few people who can do that. And there are, I've met a few people who are like, I started on a, you know, on a Hayabusa and I learned just fine, you know, and I'd say that's really a rare occurrence. Right. And, right. and, and I would say the majority of folks, Oh, I, I bought a leader bike as my first and I'm doing great. I, I'm sure you think you're doing wonderful, but I would bet if <laughs> that if someone studied your writing skills, your cornering skills, your braking skills, other technical skills are probably not as good as they could be, you know, um, you know, or, or whatever other skills, whether it's parking or maneuvering or just your proficiency uh. in motorcycling. 
And it's because that, that immediate satisfaction is, I think, a huge desire among um, that generation, more so beyond just the average adult. Of course, we all have the need for immediate, many, you know, just being human, you know, we have the need for immediate satisfaction and that kind of, you know, it's just normal. But I think with motorcycling, it's beyond that. I want to be good now. I need this. Uh, I have to have, I need to be good now. And I have to ride this bike now. Like, well, what are you going to do in 20 years? Like, what are you going to be riding then? If, if this is what you're riding now? Well, that's the thing. Cause if you, if you take on a bike, that's really not in your favor, you know, for the way your body is shaped or how tall you are or your strength or even your riding style, you know, if you take on, if you learn on the wrong bike, I mean, a lot of, there's, there are a lot of bikes for sale that have 2,500 miles on them or, oh, yes. you know, they're like five years old and oh, they yeah. got 25 years. That's there. That's very often because it wasn't the right bike and it yeah. didn't get ridden. Or you have to, when you're learning to ride, you have to yeah. compensate because something's, you know, something's not quite optimal yeah yeah and then you care and that like we were talking about muscle memory your muscle memory when you move over to a different bike you still do the same things you did on that first one that first bike is really important so before we go too far i want to definitely want to make sure we hit our um kind of strategies personal strategies and maybe share some of our own personal um tips in case you know people are looking for some advice in that that sense um you know, my top three is... You mean for riding as a short person? Right. Just like, you know, strategies in in general. My top three... To me, the most important Uh thing for me is being really prudent about where you park. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say parking's (laughs) in my top three. Um, Yeah. Being, yeah, very strategic. Strategic parking. Absolutely. Um, For sure. And and to to that point... Sometimes you don't have much of a choice where you're going to park. And yep. there's no shame in walking your bike out oh, of no. a tough parking spot no. to a place where you can get on and mount, mount and ride off. I do that all the time. Oh, I do. I mean, I'm constantly doing that. It's like, how can you not? I mean, you, you, you know what I mean? You're kind of forced to and you'll do it. I found I can do it a lot faster. Like I can get off and get it done in half the time. than if I tried to totter and, you know, balance my way in and there's no rule. Like, I don't understand where these quote rules come from, where people say you have to do, well, who, who said, who made this? Is there a God of motorcycling that I don't know about? (laughs) Is there like a Pope of motorcycling that has dictated these things? Cause last time I checked, no one sent me a manual that said you have to follow these rules. Right. So yeah. So parking, 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 is is number one for me and parking yeah and having and and not being afraid to maneuver your bike on the ground and that's another reason to get a bike that's now some some of them do come with reverse gears and you know some Uh of those really big bikes but that's another reason to really be prudent about the size bike that you get because my bike is nimble so is yours goldie Mm -hmm. you can you can maneuver that bike from the ground it's not going to topple over and well, crush you. Or, um, you know, I mean, it, it could, I, you know, I am t- pretty much tiptoe on it. Not, not full tiptoe, but I'm. No, but if you're walking it around. Is oh what yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah. I mean, and I have a blog post I wrote a long time ago about parking and how you should really, you need to have the weight on that, of that bike on your hip. You always want to yep. be on the left side and you need to let that bike be on you as you're pushing it around. That's um, right. You know, the better you get at it, you don't need to do that, but it's just a marvelous way to move everything around. Um, the other thing for me that I relied heavily on, and that goes back to what you were talking about when you rode that G650 the first time is, you know, you're really pretty much only using one left foot and you're scooching over to do that. So yes, yes if you're, of course, if you have a 28 inch inseam and the bike is 36, no, you're not just going to put one foot down and be done with it. It wasn't quite 36. Right. But. <laughs> it, well, I <laughs> bet you it was, like it. it was probably 34. I mean, easily yeah, 33 like to 34 unladen. It was a monster. It was a monster. Um, uh, but you, you have to learn, you have to know just that you have to shift your weight over. There's no way around that. You have to shift your weight over, let your butt drop a little bit and practice it. It's not 
who cares? I mean, there's no one judging you. There's no one looking going, oh, look at that person. Are you kidding? Over. This, so that, <laughs> let me just say about that. So I was on a, a taller bike in Italy and there's a lot of off-camber parking and, yeah. you know, just all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And, um, and the other folks in my tour, they were watching me and they actually, you know, said, said nice, admirable things about how I scrambled around on my bike. Yep. Nobody's going to judge you. You're, you're short. So what? Compensate. Do what you got to do. Well, they might judge um, you, but you can't help. You can make people not judge you. It's like, yeah, people judge you every second of every day. How is That's, that? Yeah. any it's their different? choice. Yeah. Right. Like how's riding your motorcycle any different from when someone judges you walking down the street? It, yeah. It sucks when people judge you, but who cares? That just, that yeah. doesn't, do anything for you to make you a better rider and enjoy riding more. So for right. me, the scooch, as my friend put it, is the so important. The scooch, you got to scooch yeah. it. And um, I, you know, I scooched way off when I had to ride a DRZ. My it made my back hurt. I was off the yeah. seat so much, so I I can't do that again. So there's a li- certainly a limit, um, but the scooch is really important. And then uh, my primary, or my, one of my top things is is really good footwear. Is that, mm, you know, mm. a cowboy boot isn't going to cut it. Your sneaker, no. not going to cut it. Ooh, no. You know, maybe if you're eight feet tall and you have a 45 inch inseam, sure, you can wear flip flops and be done with it. But, you know, if you really want to attempt these larger bikes, then you need to have real motorcycle footwear right. and not something you bought off Zappos because it's not going to work the same and, yeah, let, and you're not going to get the that. stability. Yeah. So many things are styled like a motorcycle jacket oh. or a motorcycle boot Everything or is. whatever, Everything. but yeah. they're not, but they're just not. Mm-hmm. There's no, and, you know, and listen, I didn't know that when I started riding either, when no I went to my does. brother's yeah. to get to, and he said, look, I'm not going to let you ride a bike if you don't come up here in boots. And so I had a pair of cowboy boots <laughs> in the closet. I didn't and, have, you yeah. know, my regular, I came up. And he said, okay, those are not going to cut. I said, what? They're boots. <laughs> They're, what are you talking about? Oh, I'm going to meet this guy. I, you know? What's your brother's name? <laughs> <laughs> He's just awesome. He's so fantastic. He's, he, and he just said, look, here's what you're looking for in, you know, good motorcycle boots. And he yeah. went on to say, you know, in a cowboy boot, he said, if anything happens to you, that blo- that boot is going to fly off your foot. Your mm-hmm. foot. Yeah. It'll be that boot in the middle of the interstate. You know, the one that everybody goes, oh, I wonder where the other one is. Yeah. You and, know, he and, said it doesn't have the right. They're toe smooth. Guards. He said. He said it's not. Well, that one actually, my my cowboy boots have oh. a big lug sole. Oh. They're not um, nice. Yeah, they're not pointy. Let you know that. I mean, but but nevertheless, he said, yep. I'll let you ride. I'll let you ride this time. <laughs> But next time you come up, you've got to have real motorcycle boots. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. He's a tough guy, but you know what? He's right. And and especially with pavement, you the stability is so important because when you are small, you are relying on all these techniques to compensate for the lack of height. For every inch of seat height you don't have, then that's another skill set you have to adopt. You have to be really good at so you have to be better than the guy or girl next to you who's six feet tall at breaking. And flat-footed. Yeah, you ha- exactly. Different. You have yeah. to be better at breaking. You have to be better at shifting your weight. You have to be better at wearing the right gear. You have and to be more disciplined. And that's not scare people. That's not to say it's, no. it's the most difficult thing in the world. It's just... No, no, no. It just, it just you, is. You just have to work differently. You have to right, work... Right, right, I mean, I actually do think it is harder. We, ha- we have to work harder than the average tall person, I think. But that's not to say it can't be done. I don't want to no. scare anybody off. Well, God, And no. really, and, and having, you know, like my brother's six, maybe, yeah, he's probably right at six, maybe six yeah. one. And so he didn't have a lot of, he didn't have a lot to offer me in the way of coping strategies because I'm five sure. two. Yeah. And so that's where <laughs> yeah, he's like, riding, yeah, like riding with like, a shorter person or... You know, reading yeah. your blog post or looking for videos about, um, you know, all these little scooching yeah. and, and all that kind of stuff. That's right. that's where you're going to learn it. Oh, yeah. And that's how it's possible. That's why we're here to say that it is possible. But first, you have to throw out, just put it down for a minute, the book that says, I got a flat foot. Right, 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 right. Assuming that it's and you know an what? appropriate even, even if, vehicle. Even if you can, even if you can flat foot, 
from a safety perspective, you never should. You should always have that right foot up on the brake. Oh, of course. And just and just put that left one down. That's that's my third uh, strategy of as well is using the rear brake for stability's sake. Mm-hmm. Uh, personally, I don't think that using your rear brake for the braking is really as important because you're going to get all of that out of your front. It's better if you have better control, I think, off your front brake. And most of the braking power comes from that anyway. But I have to say, I do usually, um, I usually put my right foot down and leave my left down on the gear just to make sure that it's absolutely rock solid in first. If I've got to do anything at a stoplight, any kind of fancy maneuvering, I want to make sure I am in that first gear and good to go. Sure. I mean, I, I, I can put either foot down. It doesn't matter, but I never have both down, even if I can. Yeah, I, I generally avoid the both, um, and I, but I mostly rely, I usually put my right on the on the brake pretty much all yeah. the time, um, especially with larger bikes, because weight-wise, if you're right, if you, le- if you leave your right foot on the rear brake, that bike's not going anywhere. It's right, not right. going to move, it, you're not going to drop it, you, you've got your stability, right. and that it's like a tripod, three points, yep. right? Left foot on the ground, right foot on the brake, your front wheel, you, you have more stability. And so I use it for stability. The other reason that I rely on my rear brake is to provide the smoothest stop that I possibly can at every stop sign and every light. And in my brain, I'm always competing for the solo braking uh, award so that I <laughs> basically strive to provide and pull off the smoothest brake and stop that I can so that every time the weight, because imagine if you're riding, say you're on a 1200 GS and uh, you come to a stop and you grab too much front, you're just going to drop it. Yeah. But if yeah. that that stop is smooth and soft and it's it's on point to where you're literally stopping on a dime, you're not going to drop it and it's going to be so smooth. So really practicing the braking to me was a huge, huge priority. That's a good point. Because if you don't have you're breaking down, you're going to drop everything, no matter how light or, or heavy it is. So again, it's always, it's writing abilities and writing skills. It's finesse. I mean, really anybody can, can jump on a bike and go 80 miles per hour down a straight highway. That's not hard. It's, it's the slow maneuvers. It's, it's all those little finesse points that really make you a good rider and a safe rider. The technical points. So yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, again, I just can't, I can't, uh, emphasize that anymore. Um, well, I think I've taken up all of your time for today, <laughs> if not more than, and uh, more than my share. Um, but I, I'm so glad you had some time to carve out for me. Uh, oh gosh, I'm so be, happy to do it. To be yeah. my guest. So, um, if you want to read more about Tamala and her adventures, visit her website, tamalarich.com. Of course, I'll put in a link. And then you'll find her on all the social feeds as well. If you visit her website, she'll have links to those. And um, of course, we'll provide all the links and and information in the show notes for all these events that we talked about and um, links to some other articles that you might find useful. Um, In the meantime, visit Christy on uh, Twitter at ADV Goddess. Find us on Facebook at Motorific Podcast. Find me all over the interwebs. As gear to the, the interwebs, all over the interwebs, <laughs> and um, hopefully, Christy and I'll be back in in two weeks. But um, hope you enjoyed number ninety uh, with myself and to my good friend Tamarich. Yeah, and um, we'll be back with you in two weeks. So have a good one. Mm-hmm.